Futurecast. This episode of Missing the Point is being brought to you by Boxo Crafts. Save 15% off your first holiday box at checkout with the promo code MTP. That's boxocrafts.com. On this week's episode of Missing the Point, we recap Super Bowl 55 between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll discuss Tom Brady winning his 7th Lombardi Trophy in his 10th Super Bowl appearance, and if the Patriot way was really about Tom Brady all along, and not Bill Belichick. This is Missing the Point, episode 39, but it's all relative. Welcome to Missing the Point. I'm your host, Joe Malkin, joined by the Cowboys fan, Bob Kelly, the Bears fan, Dave Clark. I'm a Patriots fan, and I think Craig and Mike are Tampa fans. So let's get right into the Super Bowl, which was this past weekend between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Kansas City Chiefs, in which the Tampa Bay Buccaneers pretty much were the only team that showed up winning the game 31-9 to over the Kansas City Chiefs. And of course, I, I joke about the, your fandom, Mike, but you know, there, there's a lot to talk about in this game, really, you know, starting before the game. For me, there was one storyline that came out the night before the Super Bowl is that Patrick Mahomes was going to need uh, toe surgery after the Super Bowl. And I'm still trying to figure out what reporter leaked that the night before the Super Bowl. But guys, let's get into this and let's talk about this game because I know we all have some very strong opinions on this. And I, I honestly, I think we're really all aligned on on this game. The elephant in the room is Tom Brady winning his seventh Super Bowl in his 21 year career. I think it's uh, more like uh, I think it's more like the goat in the room. The goat in the room. I think, right. I think it's Sorry. more like it. Sorry, yeah. he's not. Is this going to be the Tom Brady fucking jerk off hour? <laughs> I, I mean, if you want it to be. How about we start off by holding him responsible for his least entertaining Super Bowl of the seven? Because that game fucking sucked. <laughs> like, it I'm was sorry. the least entertaining for everyone else, but I, I, th- I think if you were. I was pretty entertained. Damn, yeah, pretty entertained. I, it was a fucking blowout. Yeah, but Dave, as you you have to see this from a Patriots fan standpoint, where we did see that for nine Super Bowls before this, not every Super Bowl was like the Super Bowl against the Rams, where it came down to the wire. They um, they all were pretty close, actually. <laughs> like he always kind of had good games. Well, it, well, he had a great game last night, but we're used to this, Mike. Right? I mean, it, isn't this kind of the way it was in New England for a while, where they they kind of bore you to death and and win? So it's exciting for us and boring for everybody else. Yeah, I, I mean, I think that we're, we're just preconditioned to expect that Brady's going to show up in this game, right? And, like, showing up for Brady can either be he throws for five touchdowns and 500 yards and loses against the Eagles, or he throws for 220 yards and three touchdowns and his team, you know, wins by 22 points. I would just say, Dave, that for me, like, a blowout, a blowout when Patrick Mahomes is down is different than every other team because you're only – Three th- three throws out of it, right? Because he could just flick the wrist, and then he hits Tyree Kill for. Yeah, you th- you were kind of expecting him to come back for longer than you. Yeah, did. so sure. I think I think like it, it didn't hit me that it was that big of a deficit until like three minutes, like when he threw that pick in the end zone at the end. I was like, all right, well, it's actually over now. They just can't do it. See, I used to think the same thing about Brady Super Bowls. Like, I feel like in your head, the vibe is that he went and won them handily. But if you just think of the like, even off the top of my head, it's like it's a Vinatieri kick, another Vinatieri kick a massive comeback against the the Falcons which was definitely the best game. I think I don't think that's arguable. 
But then again, knowing you guys, you might find a way to fucking argue about it. But then the Seahawks like handing them the game. So it was they were all really close, like tight, tightly contested contests, riveting from start to finish is what I usually expect from a Tom Brady participation in a Super Bowl. Like the product is usually better, but it was just a blowout. It was like, ugh. but even aside from the blowout, what we saw aside from Tom Brady, like putting all that aside is we saw a defense come in and just absolutely dismantle one of the greatest offensive we've ever seen. Granted, it was probably one of the worst offensive line performances I've ever seen in my life. But for them to come in there and and just have that game plan and just perfect it and to actually turn Mahomes over all those times, make him look like... He legitimately looked like, I saw a tweet that was like, ladies and gentlemen, you now know what it would look like if Mahomes played for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, that's exactly what it was the entire game. And and for them to do that to three Hall of Fame quarterbacks in a row, that defense to me is the story coming out of there. I want to just interrupt there because you mentioned the the turnover of the offensive line and the turnover of of Patrick Mahomes and maybe the fact that Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich and Tom Brady and Todd Bowles, who's probably the real MVP of this game, Bobby, right? I I mean, I think we can agree uh, on that, which kind of goes into another point I want to bring up during this episode as well. But Mike, you talked about what the end of the game for you, like when you really knew it was over. And right before we jumped on, Dave, you mentioned the the moment in the game when it was over for you. And it's one of the most interesting storylines because it came to fruition again on Monday. What was the real end point of that game for you? It was when Honey Badger Matthew was getting Tom Brady's face. Like, that's the worst thing you can do. It's like he hasn't been watching football for the last... 20 years it's that's an absolutely wildly bad decision on his part like who are you <laughs> at that point like I know you're having a good season or whatever but I just think I think you can kind of narrow it down in retrospect because I do agree that like you know the Chiefs can come back into a game at any point so we were all just sort of sitting there going like when are they going to do that thing where they we were saying it to each other last night like, when are they going to do that thing where they score like 20 28 points in two seconds and all of a sudden the game's different but there was some key momentum shifts we were arguing last night about the refs I think the refs were too involved. Like, I think that they were, because I, and I think you can tell because they uninvolved themselves in the second half. Like, they got a lot less involved in the second half. And I think it was like, ah, do we really want to affect the outcome of the Super Bowl? Or do we want to just, you know, have these two teams play with each other? But the holding call, the offsides call, for better or for worse, I'm not, I don't want to sit here and argue about the fucking referees where it's like, oh, was it a penalty? Was it, wasn't it? Who gives a shit? They called it, right? But because those two things happened, those are, you know, boneheaded or however you want to look at it, defensive plays that really help the offense, uh, the offensive side of the Tampa Bay ball get going, you know, and Brady then get into a rhythm, which is had to be on the top of the bulletin board into the entire week for the Chiefs. It's like, don't let Brady get into a rhythm. Don't let him get into a rhythm right away. He just gets like two second chances. You can't do that. If Tom Brady's playing against you, it doesn't matter if he's 43 or 23, you can't, you have to, you have to not make decisions like that to get him into a position to, to hurt you twice. If you already got him out of there, like you picked him off or, or whatever, like don't hold, you know, it's all good, but Brady's going to beat you if you do that. So those momentum swings were big, but yeah, the second he started getting in Matthews, Matthews started getting Brady's face. I mean, I was like, dude, there's no way the chiefs are going to win this game. <laughs> Especially <laughs> right, right after first he gets burned. Gets, gets yeah, hosted, he got waxed, toasted, <laughs> and all of a sudden he's talking. To you, oh, what, dude? 
unbelievable. I've, I've never seen a player get toasted so bad, turn around and start that talking shit. That to me shit. was a guy who, who there was no doubt in his mind all week that he was winning a Super Bowl. Like that's, that was a guy who's like, I play for this, the Kansas City Chiefs. We, we fucking starch everybody that we play. 100% winning the Super Bowl. And then like his whole world came crashing down because he just never entered his mind that there was a possibility that they could lose, which might be a good way to think about it in some ways. But man, he looks surprised <laughs> I mean, just to see like a, a like the 43 year old brady like run up to him and say i'm gonna go i'm coming for you i'm gonna come for you every single time and then he did it and like you just can't you, you, like he brady lived rent free in the honey badger's head that entire game and it, the it, fact it, that he then tortured there. him for the remainder of the game yeah. him specifically like just was like i'm coming for you now like <laughs> that guy is gonna have nightmares about tom brady for the rest of his life you yeah. know and like you didn't need to do that hey, well, historically that's what tom brady's done right like he he knows what a, what a, especially in the secondary he knows what a, a, a db is gonna do before he even does it and a, a point to make here and and dave talks about a holding call and we're not gonna mince what what happened with carl cheffers and his crew sarah thomas had a great game. I thought the officiating was really good for the most part, but they I did. thought the Evans one was a clear. I thought it was double tangled feet and he grabbed his foot. So you're ahead of where we are. So the one that, that got called back was on, it was an interception. It was she's picked him off. And guess who made that interception? It was like a deflection. And then it was like, oh, it was a holding call. And it was Tyron Matthews. Yep. I just don't think, A, I don't think he really held him. I think he was just like turning with him. You got to let him play. You got to let him play a little bit in the Super Bowl. One. Two, do you really want to like, it's a turnover. Like, do you really want to get involved if you can avoid it? And three, there's, it's not, it's, it should be like a pass interference. The fact that they called a hold is so specific because it wasn't catchable by that receiver. Like there was no way for him to impact the play. It got batted up in the air and he was a hundred miles away from the play. If you're and that was the difference like, between those two calls. And it was bang, bang too. It, it was like tip hold. Yeah. And it's like, that shit happens on every play. Like there's holding on the offensive line on every single play. And it's like, you can decide as a referee, if you want to get involved and affect this game, this Super Bowl, because I think, and like, there's no way for me to prove this because I don't have a quantum leap accelerator or a time machine, but I'm 100% sure for what it's worth that if that holding call doesn't happen, then we have at the very least a much better game. And the referees, I think, saw that. Someone was like, you guys need to get your hands off this game right now because they, got, they were a lot less involved. And then that, to me, went against the Chiefs again because then the Bucks were kind of getting away with some stuff. There was some choppy stuff that the Bucks were doing, but I think the referees, I don't think they were playing favorites. That would just be stupid on their part. That doesn't yes. benefit them at all. And I think that kind of conspiracy theory doesn't help anybody. But I do think that they were like a little too involved and then they were like, let's be less involved. And it looked a little bit like they were favoring one team because of that. I'm not saying they were though. And it, it's, I just want, want, I wished for, I pined for a better game. That's all I was saying to you guys last night. And I just didn't want the refs to be involved. For me, though, like uh, Romo on the broadcast was saying the entire time, but the Chiefs hold. They hold. So if he's saying that, just I, I know for moral certainty that Tampa Bay, everyone was telling the refs, like, watch for them because they notoriously get away with this stuff. And to your, I, I think you're right to your point. They probably, uh, you know, towards the second half, they're like, okay, well, we are influencing this game too much, right? Yeah. So, you know, maybe we shouldn't. But I, I think it also it, the Chiefs played smarter, and had they played that way in the first half, it might have been a little bit different. Because I think Tampa Bay is undisciplined, but they're not—they're typ typically not undisciplined during like during the play. 
Well, the, the fact that it was back to back too, it's got to feel like such a punch in the mouth because okay, the the whole call, like, look, you're playing. I'm not going to blame the Kansas City Chiefs for that because they're that's the that's their game. You know what I mean? They're, they play physical. All their guys are fast and athletic. Like, it's one on one coverage. Like, I'm a I'm a, a big advocate of like one on one coverage. You should give the the defensive back a little bit of leeway because it's a hard job, man. I think it's the hardest job on the field. I think that it's really difficult to try and anticipate a guy's moves, especially with the athleticism the wide receivers have these days. And you give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, let him play, let him hand fight a little bit, you know. And also, like, whatever. We don't need to get into like the catch rule because we're gonna end up in meme territory at this point. But don't whatever about the Chiefs there. Then they lined up off sides. That's on them. Like, you got to be smarter than that. But the fact that it was like, bang, bang, right, like Bobby was saying, like, right, two things smack in the mouth. And it's just like, oh, my God, now it goes from a, the fact that you're on fourth and five, you got them to fourth and five, and you line up off sides to give them a first down, that has got to be devastating to your, like, morale, you know? And as much as the Chiefs are coming back all the time and, like, they can score really fast, like, that specific level of stuff that was happening to them, I feel like that fucks anybody up. Also, it wasn't the same guy, but the Chiefs did that against the Patriots in 2018 in the AFC title game. DJ, yeah, D. Jones just lined up off sides. It was again. It was like third and four, and, and that's just inexcusable. Honestly. So like that's like, that's coaching. That's what that tells yeah, yeah. me, right? Like you yeah. you just can't line up off sides. If that was the Pittsburgh the Steelers, game. we would be absolutely killing Mike Tomlin right now. Yeah, like we we would be like nine miles deep into a how much does Mike Tomlin suck conversation. So, so. the thing, real, real quick, with holding penalties is like what ha- when do holding penalties happen the most? Is when you're getting your ass beat. When you know you're beat. You grab on to dudes. That's what you do. Okay, but the holding penalty, doesn't it feel new, Bobby? Like, doesn't it feel new now that this deep down the field they call a hold thing? Well, it's, it, the, the reason they do that is because it's before the throw. So that's the difference between a PI and a hold. The unca- a- but the uncatchable thing applies to a pass interference. And Correct. in my head for a while, I always thought that once they were passed, remember that like five-yard cushion you were, they were always talking about where you can fuck with him? For five yards, but I think the referees don't like to watch that because that's too much to watch. And then all of a sudden, the holding calls started getting called farther and farther down the field. And it's like, wait, I thought it was pass interference once it's down there, which was better because if the ball's uncatchable, it, it you don't want to get yourself involved, like I was saying. So it's like if it's a hold, like the fact that it was a holding call that deep down, he the dude was turning around. You were saying that last night, Joe. The dude was turning around. He didn't stop him from turning around. He didn't really even use his body to like change his momentum or anything. I think it was a good route in that way is that the way he turned, and I, now we're breaking it down and doing exactly what we didn't want to do, but the way the receiver turned, it made it look like he was turned by the defender. And the I, defender was just tight on him. The defender stayed right. with him. Exactly. He, he did stay with him, and he was touching him. I get that. But usually when you're arguing about a call like that, at the end of the, the tape, there's a football coming towards them. And it's like, ooh, was he holding him? And that's why he didn't catch it. It's like, that ball was nowhere near. It, so, nothing was happening. That's the difference in the rules. And this is where we need friend of the show, Dean Blandino. That's the difference in the rules is that prior to what you're talking about is in order for a pass interference to be called, the ball needs to be in the air. And if the ball is tipped, which on this play it was. And deemed catchable. Well, yes, deemed catchable, but usually that implies that the ball is going out of bounds, which is why I thought the pass interference in the end zone against Mike Evans on Brashad Breland was bad. That would actually make more sense to me. If you're calling the hole because you're, if once it's tipped, you're like, you're preventing him from trying to go get the ball, like trying, like you're preventing him from trying to go recover a fumble or something, like maybe, but like a holding, like holding is already like the shittiest rule. it's more stopping making them not be able to get into their routes. You need you need to let the wide receiver run. But he finished his route. 
He did, but we're losing the progression of, of the rule here. So, Dave, wait, let's go back. Wait, but before we lose our entire viewership, what, what you're or listenership, what you're talking about before that five yard cushion, if there was contact made after that five yard cushion prior to the ball being thrown, it used to be illegal contact. Right. And it was a five yard penalty and a first down. They've gotten rid of the illegal contact unless it's hands to the face. And now, if there's if there is a hold, which is usually getting outside the pads or turning a guy in his route prior to the ball being thrown that's why they say in the call prior to the ball being thrown holding so-and-so on the defense so the ball is it's prior to being thrown if the ball is in the air and there's contact made it's pass interference however that completely changes if the ball is tipped by a defender at that point holding and pi are completely out the window and and the ball's live you can tackle the guy if you wanted to so how are you gonna how are you gonna make how does that make sense to make that call then because it, it doesn't because the call was wrong it was too close. It was too close to call. I'll give you that. It was definitely too close was between the pass being tipped and that happening. And I honestly feel like it was like because the turnover happened. I'm just that's why, which is terrible. That's why it got thrown. That's they, why like, it got thrown. They couldn't right. call because, because right because, because they knew play, they yeah. knew right they knew something happened and they knew that was such a big play that like when that happened they're like okay. That had to be a penalty. You See, know what I mean? That thing. had that's, to be a penalty. I make this fucking argument all the time in, in all sports. That's context refereeing, and you can't do that. You have to call the game the way the game is supposed to be called. If you say, oh, sh-, like, if somebody, they, wait, this is the example when it always happens. It's in soccer, it's in basketball, it's in football, whatever. If a team, if somebody on the team gets sent off, like ejected, right? If somebody got ejected in that game, and then the next person like an, another person did an ejectable offense that was arguably worse than the first one, he's not going to get ejected because it's like, well, I already sent that other guy off. And it's like, that's context. You're applying context. And all your fucking job is to apply the rules at all times. It's in fact, your job to not be affected by the context of what's going on. And if you are affected by the context, you're doing a bad job. So I'm not taking any credit away from Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. And I'm not trying to blame the referees because that's just like weak sauce. And I'm also not a Chiefs fan. I don't really give a shit who won. I'm just saying, I wish they didn't get involved in that play because a lot of things change if they don't. Because it's it's all momentum, you know. That's the good and bad of it being humanized, the officiating being humanized. But it's also where the sense of being able to review everything and slow-mo replays and us sitting here breaking down a play and did he turn the receiver, did he not? Yeah, I, I mean, that's they almost force context into the calls based on how it's seen and the fact that there's so many cameras and you're absolutely right you, we're, we won't take anything away and and mike I'll, I'll let you make your point you were trying to jump in on there we can't take any way anything away from tom brady and the buccaneers here's the thing though here's the way that you can put yourself in it and how you're going to react right but the, you can go okay well if it was my team right so like mike you asked me that last night right where it's like well if it was the bears would you want the call i'm like yeah but if it was the bears playing d i would be fucking furious if they called that like i'd be so angry you know and i think if i was it, like the bears playing offense i think i'd be like oh i would love that call but i would i think i would look at it like oh borderline that was big we kind of got bailed out there because i usually try to blame my team first I try to blame them. I'm like, you guys are fucking idiots. Okay. Like you shouldn't have gotten yourself in that situation in the first place. You got bailed out by the refs, you know? I mean, so, so I agree that that holding call was tough, right? Because it was so close that I, I, I tend to agree that like tie goes to the runner, right? Like if it's yeah. that close, don't Which also it. isn't true. 
Like right, but just don't throw it. Like just let it happen. If you're un- if you're not sure. Yeah, but based on what we saw, based on the fact that the Tampa Bay defense made Patrick Mahomes run for over 500 yards behind the line of scrimmage, they probably would have won anyway. I agree. Do, like, do we think that that like just a, a pick on the 30 yard line would have really made that big of a difference? Based on what it would have made a better game, I think. Maybe, but they couldn't score a fucking touchdown. You're right. So they didn't score any touchdowns. I think that's a big. Th- but the game script. You're right. The game script would have been different. It would have been different, 100%. Momentum, we talk about it all the time. Momentum is so big in football. It is. And, like, and like it's a turnover. Like, it's Tom Brady throwing a pick. The beginning of that game just was so scripted towards the Chiefs' favor, and they blew it, man. That, that right, first that first 10 minutes, they had that game. The Bucks had two drives in a row where they punted. If you told me the Bucks punted their first two drives in the Super Bowl, I was like, oh, they're... Tell me if I'm wrong about this. I feel like I imagine this, but did they say that their punter, it was like his third time punting in the postseason? Yeah, I, I remember hearing like he, he has nerves or he's nervous about something. Like, but I, what, Do they just not punt or did they have a different guy this whole time? The, Chiefs, the Chiefs or the Bucks? The, Either. The Chiefs. The Chiefs, yeah, they just don't punt. They just don't punt. That's how good that defense was. It's like they I think they punted once against Buffalo. They punted once against Baltimore. I think that's it. And then there was that wild play where there there was that wild part where their punter fucking muffed it, yep. dropped it. Yeah. And then but then he he absolutely ripped it right after he dropped it. It went like a million miles. And then he like caught it clean the next time and he shanked it out of bounds. I was like, who is this guy? That was on the same fourth down because there was a holding penalty against the Chiefs. And then they called that. that back, and that was another thing they were getting involved. I'm like, dude, get out of the game. Like, but that that, that call was right though. That call was right. I mean, what what I was talking about was the the, the battle of the masterminds between Eric Bienemy and Todd Bowles. But yeah, when it comes to the to that hold call. I mean, the moment they get on the outside of the pads, that's a hold. I mean, that that's just the way that goes. So, you know, we have to talk about the job because, Mike, you just brought it up, the, the 500 yards that Patrick Mahomes ran for behind the line. But let, let's talk about Todd Bowles because Todd Bowles has to be talked about. And, I mean, as much as the MVP arguably really could have gone to Rob Gronkowski, it went to Tom Brady, but Todd Bowles really did everything in his power to get his team up and get his team ready for this game. And they motivated the hell out of that defense. I don't, I I agree with Dave that the, the point where I knew the game was over was when Tyron Matthew got in the face of Tom Brady. It was pretty early on when you could see the pocket crumbling and you watched how that defense was written up. They were running the ball okay, though. They were like, what's his name? Edward Hilaire. He was playing pretty well. And I feel like they were moving the ball. And then there was like a couple other momentum things on the other side. Like Tampa made a boneheaded decision to hand it off to, what's his name, Chris Jones, instead of Leonard Fournette. And they couldn't get a yard. Roy Jones, and that, yeah. like uh, Roy Jones, yeah. And then it's like, you can't, like a lot of the times, that's the biggest piece of momentum in a game. Like there was, a, there was games in these playoffs we talked about where guys not being able to get a yard. That was a the theme of the entire playoffs. Like you're not, you can't get a fucking yard. You're going to punt there. And they, they got stuffed on the line, which is like usually has a bigger impact, you know? And like that could have been a momentum swing, but the Chiefs just couldn't grab it. It was so weird. Honestly, for me, I, I, I think it goes back to, the, to, to that game earlier in the year, right? I mean, if you really want to think about this, the, the, Todd Bowles has, has held... Todd Bowles has held Kansas City to 16 points in the last six quarters. 
I'm going to add to that stat for you. So, so since then, those 16 points, the, the Buccaneers have scored 55. So since those first three quarters, it is 55 to 19. Keep going. Like what that tells me is that in, in the fir- at halftime of that first game, Bowles figured out what they were doing, right? It just turns out that, that they were down too much in that first game to really come back all the way. But Kansas City, uh, I don't want to call them arrogant, but they're arrogant offensively, right? Because they have Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. And who wouldn't be? But Bowles was like, listen, if you just leave two safeties back, you double Hill over the top, you double Kelsey, let's see what happens. And they did that for but six But that wasn't quarters. even why. Like, Mahomes couldn't get the ball out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey would have burned them for a few plays if they were able to get them the ball. But it was they stopped the source. Ty- Tyreek Hill played zero snaps in the Super Bowl where he wasn't double covered. I, th- I mean. And, and they were able to do that because after that first drive, Bowles just stopped blitzing him. I think he blitzed, he blitzed on 4% of the snaps or something like that. In like after the first quarter, and he got, I think I saw a stat that got pressured sixty four percent of the time. He he was pressured twenty nine times. Yeah, you know what it reminds me of, which is actually kind of crazy. And like, sorry to bring this up, but like, it, this might oh, be seven? Like, this. It remind yeah, it reminds me of. It's got all the storylines of this this great team that everyone says is unbeatable. They play in the regular season, and there's that weird moment of like, oh. They like did better. They lost like everybody loses, but they did like a little bit better than like teams usually do, like the Giants did with the Pats. And then they both like they both do really well in the playoffs. They get to the Super Bowl, obviously. And then it's the same exact storyline of the game. It's the hot shit quarterback gets pressured by a front seven that nobody was talking about and are not talking about enough. And he gets completely thrown off his rhythm and he like can't do what he normally does or has been able to do to every team all season. And then the, everything starts to sort of crumble. It's like Brady ran that play back on a different team that that play had been run on him, you know? And he was like, it was kind of like a revenge a nice revenge story, but he wasn't getting revenge on anybody. Cause Eli Manning was sitting at home. Well, it's, 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 it's Steve Spagnuolo, right? He, he was, he was still the, the defensive guy, but I think like for me, we've been talking about this last. And last, Pierre last, Paul was in both, <laughs> which is crazy. <laughs> crazy. We, like we've been talking about this the last two shows. If you blitz six, Mahomes will beat you. If you it, like, if you can get to him with four, because he just dumps a, it over to Tyreek, yeah, you, just you dumps have it a over shot. Yeah, and and, and to credit to Bowles, like he saw that in, in those first two drives, he was blitzing it, and Mahomes was picking him apart. So he said, "I'm not. I'm just not going to do that. We'll just figure it out." And I think it was. I, I think Devin White just showed up. I mean, I just think he took over the game, like Bobby said he would. And I, I, I think, listen, that team's for real, and that defense. That we, I think collectively, we thought it was good. It's top 10, right? But we never said, like, listen, this is an 07 Giants-like defense. They were in that game. So if you look at Mahomes' stats, it was the second worst game of his entire career. He had a a QBR of 49.9, 26 of 49. So he threw the ball 49 fucking times in that game for 270 yards. That's unbelievable what they were able to do to him. It's crazy. That secondary that threw him fits all night long. And Travis Kelsey still had 10 catches for 133 yards. The man ran for, for half of what Brady's run for in 23 years in one game behind the line of scrimmage. Like just all behind the line of scrimmage. <laughs> just think so about that. Like, and he was making plays, honestly. There was a yeah. couple of like throws where it was like, couple oh, damn. Of those, and that, those were unbelievable. <laughs> a couple of the receivers, I think, were like, holy shit, he got that off. Holy shit, it's coming to <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah, well, they were definitely surprised because I asked in our Discord last night, is this the cast of, of Space Jam 2? Because it looked like they all just lost their talent. And, and they had three balls, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill included. That Damian, that Damian Williams one was, or not, not um, Robinson. Robinson, that was. There was some, I think there was some quicksand to use a, a replacements reference. I think there was some quicksand happening to those guys because I think it's so likely to happen to you and everyone's experienced it in some form or another. When you come in as the favorite, the pressure of being the favorite, especially the pressure of like being the favorite over a Tom Brady team, it's like, damn, we're not that much better than them. Mm. And then a couple, one thing goes wrong, two things go wrong, three things go wrong. And it's like now everybody's in their heads and you can be on the sideline trying to G them up and trying to be like, Yo, come on, guys, be us. Like, da da da. We, like, we we've recovered from worse, but then it's just like in key moments, guys are just like just little things happening to them. They can't pull themselves out, and it's like Mahomes actually like as mo- as difficult of a situation as he was put in. You can say his QBR was bad, but like, damn, he was trying his ass off <laughs> to make fucking plays. You know what I mean? Like, I I felt for him because he was like he was like trying to ice skate uphill for most of the game, but like he was trying, you know. And like he'll be back. Like, don't worry about Pat Mahomes, you know, but. I, I do wonder though, like, does this loss sit in his mind for a while, right? Because this, these last six quarters against the Bucks are the most adversity that this team's really ever consistently faced, right? So, to be the like, I, I would say he's the most athletic quarterback. He's probably the best quarterback right now in the league besides Tom Brady, right? He he has the most upside. Does a loss like this and the way in which he had to do everything in his power to still lose by twenty two? Does that sit in his mind a little bit? I don't, I don't think, think so. so. It's not an enigma why they lost. Like you can just point really easily to like what you need to fix. You just need some fucking better blocking. <laughs> you know, it's like you fix that one thing. Well, not even, they, they got decimated is what it was. It was like they were already. I don't know if you guys saw the actual starting lineup for the Chiefs, but literally there wasn't one that was a starting offensive lineman on their team in like I think it was like week ten. Was the last time? But I think you got to go dra- back to the drawing board with that core, and you need to go like, all right, well, all you guys didn't fucking show up for us. What, like, you know, through injury or or sickness or whatever. Like, we need to start maybe reorganizing the culture around our offensive line. And like, if we do go, we, if we, if that happens again, and we do get decimated by injuries, we need to be able to like put guys in that are able to fill the role. I just feel like you know, I know we talk about Bill Belichick too much on this show, but if Bill Belichick's coaching that team. I feel like it's like, whoa, he found that guy at the bus station the other day, and he's, like, having the game of his life at an offensive lineman. And it's like, well, Andy Reid didn't make any fucking adjustments. You know, he just – that was the thing that was driving me nuts, too. It's just like, dude, you're just doing the same thing over and over again. That's like the Andy Reid staple. Like, he sticks to his game plan, and, like, that pays off for him sometimes, but sometimes to a fault. You know, like, he's really doesn't he, – he, he doesn't tinker with things enough for me when he's actually doing stuff. And I feel like a little bit of a better coaching job, and maybe that doesn't happen. So that's Andy Reid MO, right? And, and Dave just said it, and it was brought up. I think it was implied earlier by Mike, which great job, Mike. This is not the first time Andy Reid has lost to Tom Brady in a Super Bowl. And if we look back at that Eagles team that Tom Brady beat, they Tom Brady and the Patriots beat, they were nowhere near as talented as the Kansas City Chiefs. But they were damn close at the skill positions. But at quarterback, uh, big I love Donovan McNabb. But I think we can all agree that Patrick Mahomes is a is a just a, just a tad. Is this a, is this a case of the yips for Andy Reid and you guys? Mike and Dave just started talking about it. Where do they go from here as Kansas but, City Chiefs? Wait, Mike, before you do, you guys think it was a case of the yips 
or do you guys think it was, I don't mean to bring this into this, but was it a case of his head wasn't all the way in the game? Right, because of his kid? Right. So, I mean, I, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to... I've just seen him do that before when, like, the context, that kind of context isn't there. And I just do feel like he's a... It, it was a very Andy Reid-type coaching failure. And, like, the thing is, is I don't think anybody's as good as him at assembling a talented team and, like, putting a crazy amount of talent on But if that body. doesn't... If that doesn't happen, His do, in-game we see, do we see not even the in-game? Do we see the no-show that we see out of that offense? You I know what I mean? All those injuries. combination of a lot of things. Like, I feel like a lot of bad luck went the Chiefs way that week. Like, yeah, that well, bad luck, whatever really happened, we don't know but yet. But he, that happening is going to be a factor. But if it was just that, maybe that's one thing. But it, it's that, and then there was like a COVID scare mm-hmm. with like the barber or whatever. Was like the hair uh, cutter the toe and then there was and it was like oh shit the toe's getting worse and that seemed to be a thing and then the toe got leaked listen and he was kind of limping around on it turf toes hurts like up. fuck yeah yeah turf get, toes fucked up so yeah, you gotta get hey, remember when terrell owens played in the super bowl with a broken leg yeah sure but i mean like oh that's all relative but it's like the thing is is when you bring all that negative juju into the game and like you're already predisposed to get in your head you're already predisposed to be like, shit, this isn't our week, guys. You know, because at the end of the day, and we talked about this on, on our chat last night, it's like, so it's the weird thing about the Super Bowl is it's one game. So you don't, you know, like a lot of times the best team in the league doesn't win the championship in the NFL. Like that's not true in basketball because they play seven games. So it's like you figure out who the better team is across seven games. Obviously, that's untenable in football with like the physical nature of the game. But I think just going into the week, yes, Bobby was is my short answer, but I think it's that plus a bunch of other things. And then you get the quicksand of the game and it's like, oh shit, was I right? Was I thinking, oh, that was a sign, that was a sign, that was a sign, my subconscious is going weird. And then it's the game starts to go badly and then it's just like, shit, yes, we're going to fucking lose. And then it's in your head and you can't get it out, you know? Yeah, but I, I think, like, couldn't this just be a case where, I mean, I agree with what you guys are all saying, but for me, I don't think we overvalued uh, or overhyped the Chiefs. I think we underassessed the Buccaneers, right? No, In reality, I don't, I don't agree. I think that's you, a, that you, was a failure you, on the Chiefs. Had, yeah, but you had the Chiefs win a blowout. Like we, you, yeah, because they didn't. But they didn't, that team that I was talking about didn't show up. The Bucks were the first team in NFL history to go to the Super Bowl, winning three games where they scored thirty points all three times. What you're saying is the Bucks are a better team than the Chiefs, and I just don't no, I, no. I think that you under uh, appreciated the Bucks defense. I don't think that you over blew the Chiefs well, offense. Well, I think I everybody think, did. I, I think that was a, that. That wasn't the Chiefs offense that I was talking about. That like that 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 offense didn't show up. That storyline for the Buccaneers, we've heard it before. We've heard it before. We've seen it before. Is that that team took forever to to get up to speed with each other, right? The beginning of the season, we had Tom Brady and Bruce Arians basically saying they couldn't work together in so many words. And then by the end of the season, it's Bruce Arians is kissing Tom on the forehead saying, thanks for getting me to the playoffs and, hey, go coach my offense. And then we see them just rip through. I mean, Tom Brady ripped through three of the best quarterbacks that are ever going to play the game of football, uh, but behind him, of course, to get into the Super Bowl and then win it. And and we've just seen this before where a, a team that has that kind of chemistry and that kind of momentum building and building and building and building just run through everybody and i agree with both sides to be totally honest with you like i i was if the team that dave and i believed kansas city was if that team showed up that's a very different game 
That's yeah, very but, even I, even but, hang but, on but, even, hang on even if Tampa wins, that's a very different game. If that holding call doesn't happen and that interception, yeah, I, I don't made, think the score reflects the talent level of the team. Absolutely, but 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 we underestimated the Bucks in the sense that we didn't know if some of the if if Devin White, we didn't know if Antoine Winfield were going to play. They did, and they were huge parts of that defense, and they came to play, and they knew exactly what to do the moment they stepped on the field. So I think both points are right. The Bucks and the Chiefs have played for eight quarters and and the bucks have dominated them for six like that's just fact that's just a score. so like i think that you, you can say that the, like the chiefs offense didn't show up but but Tampa they just didn't let them show up but that that, that is that but is going that. into that super bowl on sunday they had only dominated them for two quarters out of four so you got to look at it from that standpoint too like we, we would be having a very different conversation if the Chiefs had come in and won that game. And then we could have said, well, well, the Bucks dominated them for four quarters out of eight. So sure, that's still half, but the Chiefs still won. So I understand what you're saying, but revisionist history doesn't get us there. But, but like before, I, I, I want to say that, like, it's just, we never, like, as someone who picked the Buccaneers to win, I did not think that the defense was going to be the reason why that they won. Do you know what I mean? So I think that I even undervalued how good their defense could be in one game. And I even overlooked the fact in the second half of that first game that they completely dominated. So I just think we were all caught up in the fact that it's Mahomes, Brady, it's two of the most high-powered offenses there, and one defense stifled the other offense. I don't that's think that's what it. happened. I just think they couldn't, they weren't getting blocked. And I think if you're getting, not getting blocked, it's way easier to do more shit on defense. It wasn't like a master class of defense. There was no offensive lineman on the, uh, for the Chiefs like doing anything to stop them. So... Yeah, when you can do whatever you want as an NFL defense, you're probably going to, you know, have a pretty good stat line. But, like, the fucking Chiefs didn't do shit. But this is the thing. Like, this is what the Bucks have been doing since their bye week. Like, I think a lot of people forgot that, that this team, since that bye week, they've gone 8-0 with an average scoring margin of 34-19. to including well, That's what I just said. Games. They just right. picked up that speed. It, it, right. So, it was like, since then... It's it's just been this is what they. I'm not done. saying they're not good. I, I know, saying, but I'm like, just saying it, like it, I don't. It doesn't matter when when it's the Kansas City Chiefs. It usually doesn't matter. And I th- saw that the big difference for me is that they didn't have an offensive line. And if they had an offensive line, they would have been able to work their offense. And to me, when I see them work their offense, nobody can stop them. It doesn't matter how good your front seven but is. But they had an offensive line in the first game. <clears throat> can we agree with that? That they won. Sure, but in the second half they lost. What, what I'm, what I'm well, trying it to doesn't you. matter if you lose a half; it only matters if you lose the game. Yeah, but what I'm trying <laughs> to tell you is, is that in the second half of that game there were three sacks and and, and seven QB hits, and, and, and in the second half of that game Kansas City scored seven points. I mean, you can say they figured something out, but you know factually that the offensive line of the Chiefs was like completely fucking banged up. So, like, how can you not say that that's a factor? First, but it wasn't the first game when they made that adjustment. Now they lost, sure, but halfway through that game, they figured something out and they attacked that offensive line. Well, that's not to say that the, the Chiefs can't turn around and figure something out back, though. You know what I mean? If they have the personnel, you know, they, it's not to say they if they have their full starting squad in there. And it's just like a couple extra seconds with the game on the line that Pat Mahomes can't make plays for them. You know, you're in the Super Bowl. No, I'm not saying I'm not making excuses for them. No, I'm I know. I'm just like, like I'm saying, I, like you're saying. You asked me at the start. Did like this is me versus you and Mike right now? But Mike asked me at the start. He's like, do you think you just undervalued the Tampa Bay defense? And it's like I just, or yeah, fine. We are like you know the the public sphere. It like undervalued the Tampa Bay defense. I'm like no because I really genuinely believe that if the Chiefs that I watch every week had shown up. 
they would have won the game, you know, or made it made it a little, at least a little bit closer. And what you're saying is, I get what you're saying. It's you're saying like I think that they were not allowed to show up because the Tampa Bay Buccaneers stopped them from showing up because they're really good. I don't think that that's what happened. I think that all, all the context of the game got in their heads. They started to lose and they fucking completely lost their marbles when that started to happen. All this shit happened with the coaches. The referees were not helpful. And again, you lost the game. Like there's not you can't make excuses. But I'm just saying like this is why we're trying to figure out why the best offense that any of us have ever seen just completely didn't get off the bus, then that's why I think it's just like, there's tons of shit outside that affected them, got in their heads. Now that's a, you can level a criticism at them for that. That's not to say like, ah, bad luck guys. It's like, no, you're mentally weak. You need to turn around when that shit happens and you need to overcome that shit. You know what I mean? If you want to be a Super Bowl champion, you need to overcome adversity. Like you, so that's a criticism, not an excuse. You know, like they fucked up by being mental midgets and the only one out there trying to win was Pat Mahomes and everybody else like talking shit all week. Oh, they forgot who we are. They forgot. It's like, motherfucker, you forgot you who forgot you are. Who, yeah. Like, mm-hmm. this is like mm-hmm. Travis Kelsey. Yeah, you pick Travis Kelsey and still had 10 yards or 10 catches, says Joe. He still did his job. Patrick Mahomes was still trying to get him the fucking ball. Tyreek Hill he still dropped like, a pass. Yeah, he still dropped a pass. Tyreek Hill looking out there like he cast his hands in fucking concrete before he walked out there. It's like, you can't be that small and not catch the ball at the same time in the Super Bowl, my friend. Like, you got pick one. But but to go to go back to exactly what that 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 to go back exactly what Mike said though, are we undervaluing this defense? Absolutely though. Not anymore. This, this, this not anymore, yeah, right? right? Not anymore. They have a this, fucking Super Bowl rings. This, this <laughs> defense this defense is just full of young studs. Not just studs, but guys that are gonna be in this league for the next sexual, five to ten years. But also but also it is a sexual. lot of really it absolutely good. is sexual. <laughs> um yeah, I mean you look at But Bobby, a lot of good veteran leadership too. So that if if you really you break this together. defense yeah. I said it to you guys last night after the game. This Tampa Bay team actually had a, has a lot of misfit toys on it, and I really like that about that team. The, the uh, Jason Pierre-Paul and Dominican Sue, you know, then you can talk about A.B. and Rob Gronkowski and all these other, like, misfit toys in the sense that one was retired. Misfit toys is a really nice shoot. way to say super problematic human beings. Uh, you know, <laughs> they, they are extremely super problematic, but, but Bobby, Tom Brady, Bobby you're spot Rob on. Gronkowski. You're spot on when you mention that, and I think that that's another factor. So you mentioned something that is really resonating with me where you said, well, they had two weeks to prepare. Well, okay, both teams had two weeks to prepare, but at the same time, do you remember, Bobby, we had this conversation earlier in the season when the Patriots and the Dallas Cowboys offensive lines were decimated and looked absolutely awful? I mean, it could be argued that part of the reason Dak Prescott went down was because of the lack of offensive line. It could be argued that Cam Newton did not have as good of a start in a Patriots uniform because he didn't have Isaiah Wynn. So when we nah, talk about offense, sucked. well, yeah, he did, but I was trying to make an excuse. And Dak's ankle fell off. Because that's my quarterback. Um, Dak needs to drink his milk. I think Dak, D- Dak does need to drink his milk. But Bobby, as, as much as you say, well, they had two weeks to prepare. Okay. Well, they had two weeks to prepare with not world-class offensive linemen. They had second, third-tier offensive linemen that they were trying to prepare for that they just weren't going to be ready. They had an all-pro left tackle rookie that was just out of the game. Yeah, but but in the same sense, man, like like he was out in in the AFC Championship game, so they knew that, right? And and they knew what the Bucks were going to do because they did it to them for thirty minutes out of the sixty minutes that they played them. So like you can scheme for what you think's about to happen. I think all, th- all I think Joe's right. I think all the things are true. I think it's just a, a perfect storm of things happen. I have a question though. I have a que- I have a question for Bobby. I get why Mike wanted the Bucks to win. 
because he was a Patriots fan his whole life and he like wanted to see his guy win a seventh. And I get why Joe wanted the Chiefs to win because they were clearly the good guys and like not helmed by an evil emperor and like all <laughs> all the people with a really problematic past that could arguably be out of the NFL that play for their team. But you're a Cowboys fan. Like, why weren't you cheering for the good guys? I don't get it. So because it, it wasn't that I wasn't. First of all, I love greatness, and and you guys know that about me. Is like when. So why greatness, are you a Cowboys? Fan? When. <laughs> burn. That was, yeah, yeah, that was that was good. Anyway, yeah, no, that was good. Man. Sorry, Bobby. No, you're fine. <laughs> so, but like when, when when you're sitting here and you're witnessing greatness, it's just something that I just love to see, and I love to say that we have seen, and that's something that I just can't I can't fathom rooting against, and I can't fathom actually thinking that that's not going to happen. That's that's one of the other reasons why I really thought and knew they were going to win because I was saying it to my buddy before the game, like we were putting money down, fake money. And it was just like I couldn't I couldn't fathom actually taking my money and putting it against Tom Brady. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was like, so I said, I looked at him and was like, bro, have we ever, ever in our time watching Super Bowls bet against Tom Brady in the Super Bowl? don't even think about the Patriots. Did you ever actually think he was going to lose the game? No. And it's like, just because it's the Chiefs... Honestly, if you always bet on him, you would have won 70% of your bets. Right, that's what I mean. So, like, (laughs) like, it didn't change that much to me that just because it was the Chiefs. It's just like, greatness is greatness. And when you're going down to it, it's like, when you're looking at what we have in front of us, it's like, dude, he's not going to lose. Storyline-wise for me, I just saw it from a different perspective. Now, you were right, so like it is what it is, but I saw it from a different perspective. It was like changing of the guard, Patrick Mahomes coming in. Like This is the narrative. Like he's, I'm looking at like Tom. I run an evil empire. Brady, I'm taking small business bailouts from the government when oh, I have millions God. and millions of dollars. Oh, God. oh, shit, is that a Make America Great Again hat in my locker? And like, oh, do I suck as a person on the inside? Probably. Am I even a person or am I just a robot created by Skynet to go back in time and kill Sarah Connor? Like, who knows? Who knows what the fuck to, like, Tom Brady's I up to? I mean, it to. just sounds like a guy rooting for a team that has Mitchell Trubisky as their quarterback. Because if Tom Brady was your guy, you'd be backing him. And it's hard to say that the Chiefs are the good guys for you when for the last Three days we've been hearing about how you feel about the head coach's son of the good guys. So we need to just eliminate that. Yeah, narrative. No, but, but it's just it's no, you don't need to eliminate the narrative. It's just I think we just, do. That's I mean, I know you think you do because you just said it. But if you want to say it a few more times, that's fine. I think I think that I'm just doing math here. If you take and we like your argument is we don't even know what Andy Reid's son got up to. But if we just take that one thing from the Chiefs. Kyrie Kill. And then you, what, what did he do? I just beat his uh, girlfriend and his kid. But, you're, you're, but Did yeah. he really? Yeah, but he's a good guy. He's one of the good guys, what? though. How are you saying that to me when I literally was just like, I didn't know that happened. You're the good guys. Like, you approve of that. I'm like, because that's what Mike does. And also, 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 I don't think they're the good guys because when you watch the Buccaneers, they just look more fun. They look like a team that you'd want to be AP's a part of. not that fun to hang out with if you're a female hang reporter, on, though. Hang on. This is, this, is a thing, this is a thing that we do in sports, right? We look to try and find the good and bad in professional athletes. If we, if we sat here and tried to find the good and bad in everybody in the world, we would all be able to find something that we don't agree with personally that even the saintiest of saints in the NFL does. We, we would all be able to find it. So that's... so. Uh, it, you Tom, know 
already Phillip can Rivers vote. has murdered some motherfuckers. Like he's way, got some skeletons. The way I see it with the NFL, the way I see it is if they're not going to have a moral compass hiring them, I don't need to have a moral compass watching it. So I'm not talking about ethics. I'm just talking about the narrative. I'm just talking about the storyline. It's like, from like whatever about like who the good guys and the bad guys are. I was just thinking the the Chiefs are the good guys for me because it's like, oh, Patrick Mahomes, what a cool story. You know what I mean? Like coming up. He gets to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl and like changing of the guard, like all that stuff happened. I just thought that would have been cool, you know, and I like I think that that's unlikely to happen now, you know, like wh- whatever, like the likelihood of them getting into the Super Bowl again against each other. I mean, I know they're probably still the two best teams. But, eight you know, times. Not happen. <laughs> eight times. You have to get there eight times. Right. And like, but I, I wanted it was going to be cooler to watch Patrick Mahomes trying to achieve that. And now that conversation's kind of moot. It's kind of null and void. And, you know, and th- all these conversations have been happening on the Internet today about Tom Brady being the greatest athlete ever that America's ever produced. I don't agree with that. I mean, I, Serena Williams, Tiger Woods, like I think well, maybe not, maybe not athletically. No, I just mean athlete like most accomplished. Top. Yeah, like most accomplished. Like I, Serena Williams has like 24 grand slams. But Serena, like when whatever. Serena was at a top, she was. Yeah. yeah, Tiger Woods used to play the field. Like I'm it's, I just think it's easier to measure in more ways you, than one. It's easier to measure when. Hey. It's easier to measure with individual sports greatness because you have like a defense winning games for you when you're Tom Brady. So I just don't think it's a fair comparison, but I just would have been cooler. Now it's like, okay, Mahomes beat Brady. Now he's got to go and win like six more to like be, be in the goat conversation. Now it's yeah, just now it's seven to one. And that whole, yeah, probably that, that whole conversation. But that's the point is, is so as a sports fan. Now 10 is open. Now 10 is an option. Tennis, did Tyreek Hill really beat his girlfriend up? When, ten, when did this happen? Well, that, college, that's not that's in college. Not, that's in college. not for no. It was after that because his, I thought it was a college his, thing. Well, his, no, he, his, was, well, he was convicted of it in college. And did that's it why he dropped yeah. in the draft and shit. Yeah, that's why he, he dropped did, in the draft he, and all that. He, what he did it after again know. because you know these guys need to have futons with guns on them and throw their anyway. It's enough about Greg Hardy. So we. It's Over interesting when you talk about. Recently, it was hilarious. <laughs> it's interesting when you talk about Tom Brady because it, think about Tom Brady, where he came from, what he did in his career to begin with, and then remember, it, you know, it, we we can talk about the injury to Patrick Mahomes and how he needs surgery and whatnot on this toe. And there's some people that are freaking out about it, like he's never going to be the same, this and that. Well, remember when Tom Brady literally had his knee blown up in 2008, and now he's come back and won four Super Bowls. So uh, and and been to eight since then so i i think he's all right and i think but bobby to your point of 10 is in play it's really interesting that when he was asked last night by jim nance if he was coming back there was no hesitation and he's coming back and two two years ago it was giselle that wasn't going to let him play past 45 and it's just it, it, he's not it, stopping no, dude he's not stopping but there's as, no as reason long to. as he's doing this right as why would he is did you see the stat that said tom brady Winning the Super Bowl seven times, despite not earning a title once during his prime age, 28 to 36 seasons. (laughs) So this guy went the part of your career where it's prime time to win championships. Didn't win a goddamn one and won four more since. So I absolutely think 10 is in play. Two years from now, when this contract's up, you really think that he's going to be much worse than he is right now? So here's my question based on that question that you just asked. I'm going to answer your question with a question. Mm-hmm. Let's say he goes back next year. We know he's going back to Tampa. Let's say he wins it. He's got eight. His contract's up. Does he sign back with Tampa or go somewhere else to win somewhere else? 
I mean, at I, I forty-five think, years old. I think if the team is as it's currently constituted, you stay there because Giselle's happy, right? You got a pretty good defense behind you there, and then he's proven that he can be the draw to get people to go there and sign, you know, lesser deals, and for star wide receivers that are already there to take lesser money to stay there. So, Mike, tell me more. Tell me more about that, Mike. It just feels to me like all the things that we knew as Patriot fans about the Patriot way, like people want to come here and play for Belichick and play with Brady to win and they'll take less money. That's out. Like you you now have to pay Stefan Gilmore ten million to play here this year. And now Mike Evans is is take is, is saying that listen, just chop off my salary to keep the team together. It's, it's Brady. Like if for as long as his shoulder remains attached to his arm, you pay him and you keep that team around him. And, you know, if he hits that cliff like Manning did in 2015, that could be in 2025. He's like, not going to, though. But he's not. The thing is, though, is Manning hit that cliff. Don't, not, don't not because, you knock on wood. No, but Manning hit that cliff because his goddamn body fell apart, not because yeah. his football mind fell apart. You know right, what I mean? Right, 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 right. Tom Brady's body is not going anywhere, man. This guy is an absolute machine. You know what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. You know, plus when it comes to that Bucks too. That team besides Sue, Gronk, and Brady are literally the youngest team in the NFL. That yep. defense that defense has Gronkowski's as old as we are. He's 32. Right. So he's not even that old. No. Right. Exactly. He just retired because he didn't want to play in New England anymore. Yeah, he'll sign one year, $4 million base contracts with incentives as long as Brady stays there. And I think, like, Antonio Brown, again, he'll stay there too. And who knows who else you can get to go there to win a ring. This is now, I think Tampa Bay, if Brady is still playing the way that he is, could turn into what the Patriots turned into in the early 2000s where, like, 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 like a Washington comes there, takes less money to win a championship. That could happen. Roosevelt Colvin. I mean, he. Th- th- these could all, all these things could happen. Mike, do you think 35-year-old Julian Edelman and 36-year-old Danny Amendola were watching this game together on yes. Sunday yes. thinking, wow, that could be me next year? Yes. You know who else I think <laughs> could go there next year? James White. I think James White is dying to get back to Brady. Yeah, but they... they all right, so if we're going to break that down and say, where do they go next? Let's ask that question now of the Buccaneers. Like, what's next for the Buccaneers? I mean, you got Rojo and Fournette, and both of those guys, you just mentioned what they have for age. Besides mm-hmm. JPP and Dominican Sue and Tom Brady, that entire team is under the age of 34. And, and, and most except, of their starters sorry, are under for, 25. Except for Ryan Suckup, the kicker, who, I mean, he was Love 2008 kickers. Mr. Irrelevant from South Carolina. But the, the point is, is like, okay, guys can follow Tom if they want to. We've seen it before. Other guys have followed other players, other places. But you can't just you can't just like stack a team with all these guys that all of a sudden want to go to the Tom Brady party. Mike, I see you tilting your head there, but I, I am not taking James White over Rojo or no, Leonard no, 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 no. I'm not neither. taking a, a banged up Julian Edelman and, a, and an old Danny Amendola over Scotty Miller. I'm not doing any of that. So if they want to go down and be part of the coaching staff, that's great. But the guys that are going to want to follow Tom Brady are the Allen Robinsons uh, who tweeted out today, man, I want to go get a ring. Like, I'm pretty sure that was just an endorsement for Tampa Bay to give him a call on March 7th when the new season starts to, to sign a deal. Well, I think it's pretty telling to see. Did you guys see what Dez tweeted after the game, too? He would have tweeted, one of my biggest regrets in my NFL career is never getting to take a snap with Tom Brady. So I guarantee you there's a lot of people, a lot of wide receivers out there that are going to be chomping at the bit to play with him. 
He could be playing on borrowed time, you know. He still is a million. Like he still could be one bad sack away from being done. Like I, well, I yeah, know he could be. I mean, the guy we already know the guy made a deal with Satan, so pretty viable though. One hundred percent. But it's uh, was it the defense or was it him? Because now we're talking like he went and fucking did this shit. But I thought it was the defense that did it. I mean, he was twenty-one of twenty-nine and three touchdowns. No, Tom Brady was great yesterday. So, he looked was good great. yesterday. Which is great. Isn't the, isn't it a transient property in a way though? Right? Like, look at that defense and how good they were last year. And they won some. They lost a lot of close games, but they also had a quarterback that couldn't keep the defense off the field. I don't think it matters who's playing quarterback if the other team doesn't score a touchdown in the entire game. Nobody's ever won a Super Bowl by scoring zero touchdowns. Ever. I mean, ever I mean, happened. Cam would have lost that game. He would have lost it nine to six. I don't think so. I really don't Maybe. think so. But but he never would have gotten there. Like you know what I mean. So I'm with Dave on that one. But at the same time, no, it wasn't Tom Brady. But I think this is going back to the base of the conversation, which is where this came from with Mike Bobby. One second is that like it comes back to it. Are players going places to play for Tom Brady? Play with Tom Brady, or going places to play for Bill Belichick? And and I think just based on Twitter today and last night and what we saw during that game yesterday and how elated all those guys were to win a Super Bowl, it, it has more to do with Tom Brady than it does with Bill Belichick. I think that's the point that, that we're trying to get across, Dave. Not that it was Tom Brady that won the game. Just uh, And it's not even a competition. I hate that we do this in, in Boston sports media. It kind of is a competition, though, because at the end of the day, he looked better this season than he looked in his last five years in New England. And that is actually a pretty damning indictment of Bill Belichick. If there's Absolutely. a damning, if there's any damning indictments, I know you guys talk shit about his GM skills. I know you guys like, you know, you say all the, we've said everything there is to say about Bill Belichick already, basically <laughs> on this podcast, like it's all in the fucking archives. But if there, if I was going to level any criticism at him, it's that he may have been under valuing and under utilizing Tom Brady for these years. And it seems like Tom Brady knew that. So that's I would worry about that if so, I was a so, so to go right off of that too is if you think about it, what Bill Belichick did, right? And and I know Brady didn't want to be there, but there was a moment where legitimately the Patriots had a shot to get Stefan Diggs, right? Brady told him, get Stefan Diggs. They didn't make his that brother can come too. Hey, <laughs> uh his, his <laughs> But so he, they didn't make that offer and all of a sudden Tom Brady's like, fuck you guys, I'm out. They legitimately looked at Tom Brady, and this is definitely an indictment on Bill Belichick, and said, no, we're good. We're good. We don't want to get you those weapons. We think that we can do this, this, and this. We don't think that it was you all these years. And now here we are a year later. It's 100% a competition, and Tom Brady wiped the floor. You know how I know it's a competition? Is Brady put out the most, like, I just saw my ex at a restaurant and like he just played it. It was such a power play right before the Super Bowl. He was like, I love him. He's a great coach. It was so well timed from a public relations point of view. It's like you're seeing your ex in a restaurant and you go like, oh my God, hi, it's so good to see you. Like you just play it perfectly. Like you're, I'm the happiest person in the world and I value you and the contribution you made to my life. (laughs) It was such a power move by Brady and his PR team and that evil empire that he runs. I, I couldn't help but appreciate it. He's also a little extra happy nowadays, too. Two tutties! Two tutties! All right, so first of all, what's a restaurant? Second of all, <laughs> it, it was also a nice troll job by Brady throwing his touchdown passes to Gronkowski, Gronkowski and, and Antonio Brown, without yeah. a doubt. And Mike brought up a point. 
he did try to throw that touchdown that ended up going right. to AB to an offensive lineman. But Dude, that offensive lineman had this look on his face. <laughs> As it was coming in, he was like, am I about to catch up? I've only done this in practice. But that route on that next play run by Antonio Brown was, was vintage Antonio Brown. Like that was Antonio Brown with the Steelers before he was getting himself in trouble and, and trying to wind his way up. But now he bitched his way into a Super Bowl championship. I'm not saying he's a bitch, but he bitched his way into a Super Bowl championship. So guys, he does. So we'll wrap up the NFL season on another episode of Missing the Point, but that's kind of our rundown of the Super Bowl. And telling you guys what we thought of the Tom Brady seventh Super Bowl victory and, and where it leaves the, the Bucks, the, the Chiefs. And I, I think we can all agree that those two teams are going to be there for the, at least the next couple of years. So we're going to wrap it up there. And we want to thank everybody for listening in to this edition of Missing the Point for Bob Kelly, Dave Clark, Mike Marcangelo, and Craig D'Alessandro, who is very quiet, which I was surprised by with all the Patrick Mahomes uh, being injured talk. I, I am doing victory laps right now, Craig. You I hate know. that guy. I, I felt like last night justified a lot of my positions. It doesn't justify anything. I'm your host, it Joe Mack. So Craig, Craig, all of a sudden, hate. Craig, all of a sudden became a Make America Great again. Four more years. <laughs> Four more years. <laughs> all right, we're we're off. Thanks. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll we'll see you on the next episode of Missing the Point. Thanks for listening to this episode of Missing the Point. Missing the Point is a one-hour podcast recapping the biggest stories in the world of sports with a New England flavor. The show notes and transcript from today's episode can be found in the description box below, as well as on our website, www.mtpshow.com. If you're new to the show, please consider subscribing. It's the easiest way to see when we publish new episodes. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, and wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to rate us and leave a review of any of our shows. We always appreciate your feedback. Let us know how we're doing and how we can sound better. Also, be sure to follow us on all of our social medias. All of our links will be in the show notes. And check out our brand new website, www.mtpshow.com. That's mtpshow.com. For all of us here at Missing the Point, I'm Craig D'Alessandro. We'll talk to you next time. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives' activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an electric cast production. Welcome to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing, where we harmonise your mind, body and soul. I'm Amanda, your sound therapy expert. And I'm Stephen, the curious explorer uncovering the mysteries of sound. Together we explore vibrations, frequencies and the power of sound therapy and tuning forks. Discover ancient wisdom, reduce stress and tune into a healthier life. Subscribe to Tuning Into Sound Wellbeing today. Electric Acid.